Hello, I'm Mark Watson, the regular host of the Brain Mastery podcast, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to a special feature. It's Clinical Providers Month on the podcast. We're dedicating each weekly episode in February to someone who dedicates themselves to helping others. It gives all of us a great deal of pleasure and pride to spotlight some of the special professionals who are using the Bears platform to improve quality of life for people in their communities. Enjoy this series of episodes. We're excited to share them. There's no question that Lisa Huskins is doing just that in Alberta. Her passion for helping others is evident in numerous ways. She's affected positive change in the brain injury population, and she has plenty of reasons for optimism moving forward. I hope this conversation with guest host Scott Rintoul is as inspiring and insightful to you as our providers continue to be for us. Well, it is my distinct pleasure once again to be back. I'm learning so much. I imagine many of the listeners are as well as Providers Month continues here on the Brain Mastery Podcast. And it's my pleasure to welcome today and get to meet personally for the first time, Lisa Huskins. She's a partner and occupational therapist at Leading Edge Physiotherapy, which serves the greater Edmonton and surrounding area. Lisa, thank you very much for doing this. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, welcome. And let's just dive right into it. You are an occupational therapist. I mentioned you're a partner at Leading Edge as well. What was your path to becoming an occupational therapist? How did you get into this? You know, I was going through university, actually. I hadn't heard of occupational therapy until I was doing my bachelor's in physical education. And I knew I wanted to land somewhere in the healthcare field, but wasn't entirely sure where I wanted to go. Physio was one thing I was thinking about. And uh, my friend brought me to an occupational therapy information session one day. And we went and we sat and we learned about all the different things that occupational therapists can do. And I thought to myself, huh, this really aligns with what I see myself doing in the future. I love that it's such a vast field. Occupational therapists can work in so many different areas. And so I found myself thinking more and more, hey, this might be something that I can do. And I applied for physio. I applied for OT, got into OT, and that's been my route ever since. Well, it's interesting you say that because you have a very diverse athletic background, which I want to get to in a second, but often we see people who are athletes very familiar with physiotherapy, and that's the route they choose. Why has mm-hmm. occupational therapy been such a good fit for you? I think it allows me to be creative in some ways. It allows me to, particularly working in a private practice, I've had the ability to explore the areas that I find quite interesting and build on them. I do think that it allows for a larger capture of what I can do. And so I just enjoyed that aspect of it as opposed to, I mean, I love physiotherapy. I obviously am a partner at a physiotherapy clinic, but for me, it just gives me an outlet in so many different areas. I can see so many different things and I love that variety in my day-to-day life. Was there any natural inclination to focus more with athletes being an athlete yourself and say, okay, I want to really dig in on the athletics? Or have you found now that it's a broader base of clientele that you serve, that it's actually informed you more? I think it's informed me more. I've been doing this for 11 years now. And I think what I've learned over the past few years is 
my clients teach me way more than what I think I teach them. And so I quite honestly don't work a ton with athletes at this point in my career. I do tend to work with a variety of populations, certainly concussions and some athletes coming in from that. But I think working with general population and a bunch of different types of injuries and walks of life and everything I see really informs how I can treat everyone. And I take little tidbits from every single person I meet and every treatment we have. And I can apply that more and more kind of down the line as I meet new people in my practice. You are still very involved in athletics and you're a very active person. And that's something Mm -hmm. that, from what I've read, has been a part of your life for a very long time. Were there any incidents along the way as far as injuries that caused you to go this direction? Did you have any work with physiotherapists, occupational therapists, anywhere along the way that made you think, "Mm, this is something I want to pursue? Funny enough, no. (laughs) I actually, I mean, I was a high-level soccer player for quite a long time and certainly had tons of sprained ankles. I was a goalie, so lots of wrist injuries. But coming up as a teenager, physiotherapy wasn't something that I ever accessed. It was kind of just a wait out the injury, do a little rehab on my own and figure it out. And it wasn't until high school when I actually did a placement in a physiotherapy clinic that I started thinking, huh, this is actually quite interesting. And that's where I think my love of it grew was from that placement I got to do, but it never actually came from that athletic end of things. I mean, I love it now. (laughs) I continue to get injured (laughs) and use it frequently, Uh, but yeah, not kind of coming up. Just kind of, it fell in my lap, I think. So have you always known you wanted to help people or was there a specific moment that resonates with you where you went, that's what I want to dedicate my life to? I think I've always been somebody who's taking care of people. Growing up, I had a sister who was in and out of the hospital quite often. So I got to see that end of what she went through for treatment and how different professionals could help her. And I don't think there was ever a specific moment where I thought this is what I need to do, but I do think that I've always been on the caregiver end of things. And so that informed my decisions of where I wanted to go long-term with my career. What does a good day look like for you? What does a good day at work, a good day with a client feel and look like to you? Oh, goodness. I would say a good day at work is seeing a vast majority of clients. Uh, Everyone is so different, different walks of life. I love when I have, especially my clients who have had a brain injury, I always say I get to truly meet them four to six weeks into our rehab process. Because when I initially see them, they very much are at a place where they're struggling. They're just trying to do their best to get through day-to-day life and activities. And I'm helping them and We work on just simple things like pacing and planning your day and whatever they can do to just kind of manage the first few weeks. And then once we get into treatment and start working on things, you can typically see around that four to six week mark that they're not as bogged under with a brain fog or they can start thinking a little bit clearer. And you get to see those little pieces of their personality starting to come out. And I think those are my favorite moments when I can just laugh with the client for the first time because they finally don't feel like everything is just pulling all of their energy out of them. And so those are my favorite days when I get to celebrate wins with my patients. I can imagine. And it sounds like what you're describing is along the lines of a patient saying to you, I don't want to put words in your mouth or their mouths, but a patient saying to you, I'm starting to feel like myself again. 
I'm yeah. starting to recognize me. What's that moment like for you as someone who has aided that process? I very much just, I have my own little celebration inside. I celebrate with them. We, I do my best to point out their successes as well, because it's so hard for them sitting there going through it day to day to recognize those things. And so just getting a smile from a patient makes me feel like I've truly just helped them accomplish something and gives me a great feeling. Imagine it does, as does learning a new part of your business or getting a new tool to use. You are a Bears provider as well. You've gone through the Bears training program, and it's something you utilize in your practice. Mm -hmm. What has your experience with Bears been like as you've gone on your own journey in your career? It's been great. It was an interesting route to find Bears. When I started our concussion program and doing cognitive rehab, I was doing a lot of reading. And I learned about Barbara Arismith Young. And so as I learned about her and her programs and what she was doing, I had the thought, wow, this would apply really great to a brain injury population, but had no idea how to go about approaching someone like her to say, hey, can we start doing this? And so one of my partners actually sent me a link to the Bears program and said, hey, have you checked this out? Is this something that would work well in our practice? And as I started looking into it, I thought, wow, this is exactly what I wanted to do. And it's fantastic that ABI Wellness and the Bears program have tied all of this together. And it's something that I can now start using in my practice. And so I very much take the approach of the brain is neuroplastic. It can change. It can do all of these wonderful things. And it's great that there's a program that we can use to help patients progress along this pathway. And it's nice because it's got great tracking. It's easy to use. My clients understand it well. And I've been able to see the progression of their improvement through all of that tracking and just through chatting with them over the course of their treatment program. So it's been quite wonderful to have the tools that Bears provides, especially to address so many different areas of our cognition after we've had some sort of brain injury. Well, there's a couple of things you touched on there that are of interest to me. One being just that amalgamation of all of these different elements of what you're trying to do with your clients and finding this package and platform that allows you to do that. Mm -hmm. That must have been a sense of relief to you that you don't have to pull from all these different places and try to make them work together. And all of a sudden, there is this package and this puzzle almost that fits. Yeah, totally. It's one of those things I took all of my readings and research that I had done and I was building my own programs and it was working and it was great, but I just felt like there was more that we could do. And so it's a bit of a validation to have a program come along that's doing all of those things, uh, but they have a better tracking system so we can see the progression, which is nice because again, I can show my clients how they've progressed through the program, where they started, where they end up, that sort of thing. And so it was important to me that it met all of the similar types of things that I was doing, but it's also great because the Bears platform is also a collaboration between practitioners. And so if we have ideas or if research comes out, they're very happy to add to that platform. But as far as my practice is going, it tapped on doing the aerobic exercise, doing the cognitive exercises, throwing some meditation or some mindfulness in there, 
uh, which seems quite important for the brain injury population. So it's, yeah, it has a great system to come across. Well, and even for people who are uninitiated, like myself coming into this with no level of expertise like you, part of the simple concept, I know it's more complex in practice, but the simple concept of healthy body, healthy mind, okay, combining some activity to help make your mind work better. I think that resonates with a lot of people, but that tracking piece that you mentioned is so important because Mm -hmm. I would think you come at it from a very simple standpoint originally of, well, how are you feeling? And that's hard for people to describe, but when you can show them tangible evidence that things are working, that infuses them with hope and confidence and more drive to continue. Yeah, definitely. When they can see their progress, like I said, it's tough when you are in it day to day, you're putting in the work, but you can't see those little wins that you have along the way. So if I can show them a quality of life tracking saying, this is where you were when we started, this is where you're at now, or their cardiovascular capabilities, how long they can go for, how well their heart's relating to it, how much improved their cognition is with the different exercises. It really helps bolster them and empower them to continue going and continue working on themselves. Imagine there are a number, but do you have a success story in particular that resonates with you that that you come back to on those tough days? Is there one client or a couple that stand out for you? All of them stand out. (laughs) It's honestly working with brain injury is probably my favorite thing to do. Everybody's improvements are so incredible. I would say my most recent favorite is a lady who, when I first met her, she really struggled to even identify what was going on in her life, how she was managing. I don't think she was actually managing well at all, but she could barely verbalize. She could barely have a conversation with me. Her cognition was not good at all. And she just really had a tough time interacting with people. And so we like, certainly there was a mental health component built in with everything else going on in her life. And so we've worked really diligently with her for almost six months now. And it's incredible because she can have full conversations with us. She can organize her thoughts now. She can respond to questions. She doesn't need a day or two to understand what you're asking her before she can provide a response. And so she's one of those ones that it took a little bit longer to actually finally, I say, meet her or see her personality. But every single week I see her now, it comes out more and more. And myself and my kinesiologist I work with and my assistant I work with, like we all just are in awe of how far she's come using this program. All of us can relate to the feeling, whether it's for a short period in a day, or we've all had a week or a month where we feel like we don't have full control over our lives. I can only imagine what that's like for people in the brain injury population who are living that every single day. And then you go through a program like this, you find some success, and all of a sudden you get this gift of control over your life back. That must just be a watershed moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And those moments, like when we sit and we discuss and I show their progress, that's quite often what happens is that's their realization that, okay, the hard work I'm putting in is actually paying off. And it can be simple things like a mother being able to be left alone with her toddler because she's no longer overwhelmed and can take care of them herself, or even just having an engaging conversation with a significant other, whereas that was really difficult before to actually have the attention span 
and be able to take in what they were saying. So again, it's those little wins for them that for us, I say it's little, but for them, I think it's quite huge to find those components of their life again. And as I've talked to more people like yourself in this field, I have really been amazed at how expansive the brain injury population is because of the stereotype most people probably associate with it. Give us an idea of just how vast it is and how many people are affected in some way by brain injury. I would say brain injury in terms of where we are for assessing and treating it is probably still in its infancy. We don't have any imaging that can be done to determine if a person has had a mild concussion, for example. And so I think the number of people who've actually had some sort of mild traumatic brain injury is really, really underdiagnosed. And there are probably people who just say, yeah, I hit my head a few times playing sports or I fell on the ice and I smoked my head and things don't quite feel right, but they don't know that they actually have had a concussion. And then we go, so that spectrum all the way up to folks who've had some sort of stroke or anoxic brain injury, or it's something that can be found on imaging and is also quite a huge impact on them. And I think the interesting thing is I've learned over time, whether it's a mild traumatic brain injury, moderate, severe, the way that people come along with their treatments is so different. I can have somebody who I'll say, you know, this person, I don't know how well it's going to, they're going to take to treatment. It might take a while who do amazing. And then other folks who I say, you know, it was a mild bump on the head. We'll see how this goes. And they take a much longer time to actually heal and get better. So it's very interesting and challenging in that way, because there's no book saying, okay, this is what happened to you. This is what we're going to do. You're going to be better in six weeks. Like if you've sprained an ankle, right? We really have to look at that individual and say, let's figure out how we need to compensate. So you can just manage day to day right now. And then we'll work on how the brain is functioning, how it's working and do our best to get you back to some semblance of normal, even if we can't get them back to hundred percent. And you may not have an answer for this today because it's a really challenging topic to address, but a lot of people, as you just mentioned, may not know they have a brain injury or don't think it's of a severity where they need to do anything about it. But that education process and trying to let people know, first of all, if you've had one, there is a road back here. And with mm -hmm. neuroplasticity in mind, your brain can heal if you heal properly. But just getting people to realize that there even might be a problem is a massive challenge, isn't it? It is. It really is. It's tough because I think the education component isn't there. It's recognizing if people even have access to a doctor to go into to say, hey, I fell, I hit my head. I'm not quite sure if I have a concussion or not, if I need to go see somebody. And so access to informed practitioners is probably the biggest thing. And then I mean, we're trying to educate, educate, educate as much as possible. And I think it's helpful that there's large sports organizations now that obviously recognize concussion as a thing and they're addressing it. And I think to some degree, that's great because it's educating the population who watch sports. But then for those that don't and their lives are somewhere else, it's tough. They might not realize it. And we might see them six months down the road where they say, yeah, like I fell and I hit my head and I didn't think anything of it. I just had some headaches and some brain fog and 
couldn't quite piece things together. And then six months down the road, they're accessing treatment because their friend might have said, well, something might not be right. So if we could get the message out there and say, hey, if you've had a concussion, if you've had a head injury in the first 48 hours, rest, you should technically heal from your concussion within two to four weeks. But if after those first 48 hours, you're struggling, go see your doctor and then they can hopefully help point you in the right direction of who you need to see for further care. If they continue struggling, whether it be a physiotherapist because they gave themselves whiplash when they fell or a vision therapist, because for some reason their eyes aren't quite working right anymore, or an occupational therapist because they can't think straight anymore. So it's really trying to provide that education for people who might have them, but also for the general kind of practitioners out there on what to do post-concussion. It might be a concussion. And as you mentioned, it might be a stroke. It might be a car accident that leads to a traumatic brain injury. You mentioned yeah. anoxic brain injury and the opioid mm-hmm. crisis that's going on right now. So that's clearly in present view for a lot of people. Long COVID is happening right now. And yeah. we talk about the stereotypes and the stigmas. It would seem to me that the general framing of what constitutes brain health and actually mental health needs to change a little bit because all of these are interrelated. And if they could work together better, then we Mm -hmm. could use best practices from different areas where currently they're siloed. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the more that we can have multidisciplinary settings or um, like as myself, if I have a client who's got, they're struggling with mental health, I can help to some degree, but if it's significant enough, it's knowing to refer back to their physician or it's having psychologists that you know of that you can refer to that works with brain injured clients and developing that network so that this one individual can access all the different areas they need. Because if you don't address all of the different areas that they're struggling, then they're going to have an incomplete resolution. And they're probably going to take much longer to actually heal from their brain injury. You mentioned resources earlier, whether it's not having access to a doctor or thinking, I might be able to help myself, but I'm not sure I have the resources. Insurance is a part of that. And so Mm -hmm. there's probably this other conversation that you've been involved in as an owner, where you're the intermediary between your client and the insurance provider trying to get across how this helps everybody if this Mm -hmm. person returns to work, returns to a better place in life. What are those conversations like? Those are hard conversations. They involve a lot of education. And I would say some insurance companies and their adjusters are amazing at listening and learning and figuring out what they need to do for their client population to actually help them in the long run. You're right. If you can help a person get back to work and be a productive individual, then long-term for an insurance company and their perspective, it's a great thing. And so I love insurance companies that have come to us and said, Hey, can we do a zoom meeting with all of our adjusters so that they can have this education and know how better to help our client population and other ones individually, it's sometimes just fighting with them and saying, listen, like this person is struggling. I'm sure you've had a conversation with them and to you, they seem very disorganized and they're not getting back to you. But when you've had a brain injury, it's actually really tough for them to even just process a conversation you're having with them. So 
giving them the guidance on how to deal with that client population, I think has been quite helpful too in how their interactions go. And I would say for the most part, many insurance companies and their adjusters have been open to trying something new. I quite often get the line, well, I've approved occupational therapy before, but they only needed six visits. So why do you need more? And so that's where the education piece comes in about neuroplasticity, about where research is going and changing the norm to actually help this person get back to what they were doing, as opposed to just compensating and saying, it's okay for you to go through life as you are right now. The way you describe it, it would seem to me that that tracking piece you talked about with the BEARS program would help in that conversation as well. Here's some data. Here's how we can track. And I can show you this person is getting better if they stick with the program. Yeah, that's definitely been helpful. I've had a couple of clients where I know their insurance company was ready to say, no, we're done with them, had enough visits. And then I can show them the tracking piece and say, listen, their quality of life has improved in all of these different areas. But then if you look at their cognitive health and where they've come from to where they are now, it's quite a significant change but maybe they're still showing some sort of mild to moderate dysfunction with their brain. And so I can say, listen, this is where normal is. They started severely impacted. Their quality of life is improving. Why don't we go a little bit longer to actually get them back to where they need to be so that you can discharge them from your caseload instead of it dragging out long-term. And so there have been a couple adjusters who have changed their mind because we do have that tracking piece and it's way easier to give them that concrete data instead of just what subjective reports the client is giving us, which is what I struggled with prior to using the BEARS program. And even with all of this as a backdrop, it makes me think that you're a teacher as much as you're an occupational therapist. Do you feel like you're educating all the time? I do, <laughs> which is okay. If I can help anybody access these things, then it makes my life easier in the long run, but it also just helps all of the people out there who have brain injury. I can't treat everybody out there, but if I can help people get the access to the treatment they need, then I feel like at the end of the day, I'm helping the general population as a whole. And you talk about the cognitive part and it's so important. I heard an analogy in reference to the conversation about lack of attention and lack of focus that most people have just with everything going on. But to bring it back, the analogy they used was, well, look, you might be able to drive a car and you might be able to have a map to get somewhere. But if you get mud on your windshield, you have to get the mud off your windshield or else the rest of it doesn't matter. And, and I don't mean to boil it down to something so simple, but if you don't have your brain working properly and your cognition isn't there, it's tough to do the rest of the things that to everyone else out there might seem like you're capable of. Mm -hmm. That's actually a great analogy. I quite often, I'll use an analogy of your brain is a gas tank. Usually day to day, if you don't have a brain injury, you're running on full, you can do the things you want. When you've had a brain injury, all of a sudden your brain can no longer process all the information coming towards you. And so you've maybe got half a tank to do with as you used to, and you just deplete it quicker and quicker because your brain can't filter out the information that's coming in, whether that be noise in the background, how much light is coming in, if somebody's having a conversation behind you or if a TV is on or you can hear the fan, they just can no longer filter that information out. 
And so they're struggling with fatigue because their brain isn't working well. And they're trying to just push through hearing and all that stimulus to just look at an email and understand what it's saying to them. That makes sense. I, I completely understand where you're going with that. I know you got a lot of people to help today. So I'm going to let you get to that. But before you do, we're going to put your, your details in the show notes. But for anyone out there who's listening to this that wants to connect with you, Lisa, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, they can check us out at leadingedgephysio.com or my email address is lisa at leadingedgephysio.com. And I'm always happy to talk to folks about this. Including me today. Thank you very much for the education and the insight. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the Brain Mastery Podcast. We're super grateful for the community of supporters of this podcast. Again, this podcast was designed with an intention and an objective, and that was to share stories of rehabilitation, of recovery from brain injury, to really interview some of the leaders out there to provide more hope to community members. So thank you again for all of the support with that. If this episode resonated for you and had value for you, we just ask, please download and share it. Please also, if you wouldn't mind, rate the podcast. Those ratings really matter and help us to spread the message. If you're a clinical provider out there, meaning a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, or somebody who just works with people with brain injury and want to learn more about the Bears platform, we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to do so. Just go to www.abiwellness.com to learn more about how to get involved. Uh, Training is very accessible and we've tried to make it very, very easy for people to get access to this neurorehabilitation platform. Thank you again for your support and we'll see you on the next episode. The statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the Bears platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The Bears platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.